joining us now on the program talking about the combine and more he is with cbs westwood one as well he's been on this program ross tucker who has been very patient in waiting and my apologies for that ross first off happy combine to you yeah happy combine to you guys even though i'm not there believe it or not i've only actually ever been there one time for it and it was fantastic but if i don't have like an employer paying me to be there after i just was away from my family every single weekend from the first eagles preseason game to the super bowl no offense fellas i'm I'm not doing it (laughs) Um, trust me no offense taken i you know i actually i was wondering about this and you would be a good person to, to answer this and i mean this as no listen from a city standpoint from an economic standpoint uh the more the merrier right as far as we in indianapolis are concerned but i am curious the the number of people that each franchise sends here in my opinion ross and you tell me if you think i'm wrong here but but i get this feeling that like the number of people that are here for each franchise is probably like 250 percent higher than actually technically needs to be here in a working capacity but you got to cover all your bases is that a fair statement i would say it's definitely fair that they that there are people from organizations that go there that probably don't need to be there. Um, but what I would tell you is, I think, you know, if you're meeting with prospects that you like or want to find out more about at every different position group, a lot of times you want the position coach to be there, right? I mean, you want, you want to get their opinion of the guy. So it's not just the head coach. It's not just the coordinator. You kind of want to know what the position coach thinks of him as a player as well as, you know, as a person for those meetings. You know, do you want the position coach to watch him in the workout? Now, there are teams that are not sending coaches, not sending head coaches because they can watch the workouts later. They feel they can get more work done. I understand those things. Some people think it's really just like a, uh, a party thing uh, at night and it's not as necessary it's primarily about the physicals, and you don't need to be there for that anyway. So uh, there's differing vantage points on that for sure. Ross, this year we've talked about the depth at wide receiver in this draft class. We've talked about the potential offensive weapons, and maybe you're getting five, six, seven, maybe eight offensive players out of the gate in the first eight picks. The Colts are slotted at 15th. Brock Bauer has been mocked to them. A couple cornerbacks, a couple edge rushers. Maybe they go for a wide out there. If you were in charge and you're looking at 15 in this class based on a de facto rookie season for what you think is your franchise quarterback and Anthony Richardson, where are you leaning at this stage? Well, I, honestly, like if, if he's still there at 15, I wouldn't hesitate at all. I would take Brock Bowers. Um you know, I think that would be ridiculous to me if he didn't go until 15. The guy was arguably the best player in college football the last three years, um, certainly the last two years. We were talking about him. I did a Georgia game. Earlier. I did the Georgia game where he got hurt against Vanderbilt, and we were talking about him as it relates to the Heisman. He's a fantastic football player, and I think it's the most undervalued position in the sport right now. I mean. You look at these teams, think about what Travis Kelsey means to the Chiefs. Think about what Kittle means, obviously, to the Niners. I mean, Mark Andrews is the number one weapon for the 
Baltimore Ravens. I think Sam Laporta is probably second for the Lions after Amon Ross St. Brown. So you're talking about a position that makes a huge difference in my mind in the outcome of games. And especially for a young quarterback like Anthony Richardson, that would be invaluable to have a guy like Bowers that is really, really hard to defend, really smart, really good run after the catch, and all the RPO stuff, all, all the stuff that Richardson's ability allows you to do. I'll tell you what you guys should do. Look at the numbers for Dallas Goddard, the two years that Shane Steichen was calling plays for the Eagles. He was the single most efficient receiver in the sport. Look at it. Look, look at yards per attempt to, Dallas, to, to any receiver in 21 and 22. Dallas Goddard, a tight end of all people, was number one, and that's because of Shane Steichen. And, and obviously Goddard's a good player, but Steichen would know how to use him. Uh, I'm not even debating. If, if Bowers is there and I'm the Colts, I'm taking him. Ross Tucker is our guest. You can also hear him in podcast form along with his work with, of course, as we had previously mentioned, CBS and Westwood One, RossTuckerMedia.com, where you can read and see all of the different places in which his opinions and perspectives are available. Ross, one of the big question marks of this draft, and, and, and I don't know how much it would affect or have ripple down effect all the way down to where Indianapolis is at 15. Perhaps it doesn't. But do you think Chicago ends up staying at one, or are we going to see all of a sudden all hell break loose in the early portion of the draft itself? I guess the only thing I would say is if they don't stay, if they don't stay at one, I kind of feel like they would just trade down to like two and still get a quarterback. I'd be really surprised if they didn't end up taking a quarterback uh, with one of those first two picks. So um, I, I don't think it'll be all, all heck breaking loose. I think they'll end up taking a quarterback one or two. And I think, I think the first three guys off the board will probably be quarterbacks. You know, the one I'm not sure about is New England because if the first two guys off the board are Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels, I'm not convinced that New England will love Drake May enough to take him there. You know, it's interesting because J.J. McCarthy, all of a sudden, you, you tell me, Ross, it seems to me, I mean, obviously, the guy can play. I mean, you know, he's at Michigan. He, he's working with Jim Harbaugh. He wins a national title. His name, all of a sudden, is starting to creep into conversation of, you know, is he all of a sudden somebody that if they are looking in the teens at quarterback, is he going to be available to them? Or could there be teams that maybe even would trade up because they feel like all of a sudden he's going to go earlier and they don't want to miss out on it? a really good question. It's interesting because I talked about J.J. this week on the College Draft podcast as well as the Raw Sucker Football podcast with Greg Cosell today, uh, the, the NFL Films legend, and neither one of those guys are all that high on J.J. McCarthy. So uh, while that that they would go ahead and they would take him – I don't think you need to trade up for him. I mean, if you take J.J. McCarthy, you're really falling in love with sort of the intangibles and the leadership. People can check out my social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, because there's going to be clips up there the next couple days talking about it. But, I mean, I've talked to several people now that are not overly high 
on McCarthy, whether it's his arm talent. the fa- I mean, there's a lot of third downs where Michigan would run the ball or they would throw a screen. It was almost like they didn't really trust him that much in those situations. So I don't know. I mean, I- I've seen other people make the argument that, hey, you know, he would have put up the same numbers as these other guys if he got more of an opportunity. But, you know, that's conjecture and, and that's speculation. Maybe it's right, but I don't know. I mean, from what I've heard, people are not uh, – some of the quarterback experts I talk to and I feel really strongly about their opinion, they're not all that high on J.J. McCarthy. I mean, they don't even think he's a first-round pick, let alone moving up into the top ten. CBS Sports and Westwood One's Ross Tucker is our guest. You can also hear him on the Ross Tucker podcast. Going back to Brock Bowers for just a second, because a lot of people, and I know mocks are just tools. They don't mean anything. They're not a guarantee of what's going to happen. They're just meant to be a, you know, a supplemental piece of information. But there's a lot of them where that's where he's at is the 12 to 18 range, depending on how far down a mock goes for him. But I'm with you, Ross. I think he's an incredibly talented player, maybe one of the most talented playmakers in the draft. When you look at the idea of him falling down to the 12 to 18 range, is that more of the teams that are there due to there's a lot of offensive tackles, a lot of wide receivers, a lot of corners that are projected to go there? Is that more due to team need? Or is that more due to just the the overall view of tight end right now in the league? Well, so what I'll tell you about it is that they would argue it's positional value, and which I think is laughable because I think tight end is an extremely valuable position. But if you look like at the franchise tag numbers, and I know you guys are talking about that because of Pittman, but look at the tight end franchise tag number. It's like twelve million. I mean, so the thought process is if you take Bowers in the top 10, okay, I don't know, he's probably making like $8 million a year. So you're not really getting that much of a discount for, for a guy on a rookie contract as opposed to what a high-end veteran would be getting. Whereas if you get a receiver or these other positions you named, where the, where the franchise tag is like $20 million. well, if you have a guy playing at a $20 million level for $8 million a year, $8 million a year, you're getting a lot of value out of it. If you have a guy playing at a franchise tag level at tight end at $8 million a year, well, you're only kind of getting $4 million worth of value because you can pay somebody to, pay, to, to, to play at that level for $12 million. That's the That's the concern that people have with taking tight ends high. I think it's galactically stupid. I think if you look at the teams that have really had – I mean, why do you think Brady won those last three Super Bowls? Gronk was a huge reason for that. I mean, I made a joke the other day that all you need to do to have a dynasty is have an all-time great head coach. You have to have arguably the best head coach ever, arguably the best quarterback ever, and arguably the best tight end ever. That's it. I thought it was, you know, Kelsey, Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Bill Belichick, Gronk, Brady. And people are like, yeah, see, you just need to get a tight end. I was kind of joking, right? Like, it's kind of hard to get three of the best ever at their different spots. But there is something there, right? There is something there about the value that those guys represent, both on the field, inside the white lines, but even, even to the point where, let's say it works out for Bowers. And he becomes the best tight end in the league. Well, tight ends are way behind. Like, 
Bowers will five years from now, Bowers still won't even make what Pittman's making because of how much more wide receivers get paid to tight end, which I think is really dumb, but that's where it is right now. Ross Tucker is our guest. He, of course, is the host that you hear on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, along with the other places that his talents are exhibited throughout the course of the NFL season. Ross, when you look at the combine itself and just in general, I guess generically speaking, I'm going to take quarterback out of the equation. The position that most translates from college to NFL style and thus is the easiest to target a guy's success possibility is what and which position has the biggest chasm between those two styles of play and thus it's the hardest to pinpoint whether a guy's talent translates? Um, Good question. I'm going to say I think that the one that's probably most similar is probably edge rusher. You know, I mean, you can really see what those guys can do. Uh, It's such a position where it's, you know, speed, athleticism, explosiveness. You can see how good they are with their hands. You know, there's a long track record of guys that are – they get a lot of sacks in college and they go to the NFL and they get a lot of sacks. You know what I mean? Like, even like FCS and D2 guys, you either have a knack for doing that or you don't. I think that's probably the one that translates the most. The least is really interesting. Um, I think it depends uh, a lot. You know, I used, I would have said previously quarterback without any hesitation, but, you know, I do think NFL offenses are becoming more and more similar to college offenses in some way. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's still probably, you know, quarterback. Um, But I think you can make an argument in some offenses it's wide receiver. I mean, some of these offenses, those guys, those wide receivers, they're only running like two routes. You ever watch Tennessee play college football? It's like they either run a go route or a stop route. It's really unbelievable. Like they're not running the whole route tree. Uh, a lot of times they're not going against press coverage. I think wide receivers actually sneaky up there too. He is Ross Tucker. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Of course, you know him from CBS Sports and Westwood One. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to the Ross Tucker Podcast. Ross, appreciate you making the time for us as always. Enjoy the rest of the offseason and hope we catch up here soon down the line as we get the countdown of the draft. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me.